All right. Hello out there to everybody out there on, and listening on the radio on WBCQ, Troy of 7490 out of Monticello, Maine, and everybody watching uh, on our YouTube channel on W5KB.com. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable. It's a show about ham radio, amateur radio, and we welcome you tonight. We're glad you're uh, with us, and uh, I think we've got uh, some interesting stuff to talk about tonight. Hey, let me ask you first, do me a favor. I need everybody out there, if you will, if you will do this. Oh, there we go. If you will, click on right there. Click on the subscribe button. That helps us to uh, advertise our show on uh, uh, YouTube, and uh, it, it greatly helps get the word out about our show. So just hit that subscribe button there. Hit the uh, hit the notify button. Uh, we come on sometimes during the week with something special, and uh, uh, that would notify if we come on. Just uh, wanted to uh, mention to you again uh, where all you can find us. And as uh, I've already uh, mentioned there, uh, let's see, WBCQ. And, uh, yeah, here we go. WBCQ, that's their, that's their hard line running out to one of their new antennas out there. That's one of the uh, largest antennas, shortwave antennas uh, in the U.S. that they just put up out there. And, of course, that's, uh, you know, they're way up there near, uh, near Canada. So that's a, that's a great summer picture right there of wbcq right there uh well i hate to be up there in the winter anyway hey listen if you don't want to listen to us on shortwave or, or find us on uh, uh our youtube channel we're also on just about every podcast carrier out there itunes google play inet radio uh all of them out there tumblr uh every week uh, a new uh podcast carrier is carrying our show so we have a lot of people that have been downloading or just listening to the show, and uh, we we appreciate it. And hey, if you're if you're one of the people out there that are actually listening uh, through one of the podcasts, shoot us an email. We'd like to hear from you, see how well that's working out for you. Send us an email to Tom at w5kub.com. Tom at w5kub.com. I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. We have a ham radio Facebook group. With over thirteen thousand members in it, it's it's a, a large ham radio group, and uh, uh, we talk about everything in here. So just uh, uh, click the join, and uh, we'll make you a member of that for sure. Uh, so I guess that's uh, about all the uh, the announcements at first uh, that we'll we'll carry here. We'll we'll probably talk about them again a little later about mid show. Let's go out there and see uh, see Glenn real quick and see how Glenn's doing down in Mississippi. Glenn, uh, come in, Glenn. Yeah, come have to find the, the unmute button. There's yeah, Glenn. We're, we're doing good. Had a had to swim home from work today with the thunderstorm. Did you really? Yeah, it was raining pretty heavy, but uh, things are rolling right along. Um, been building projects for the new book or update upgrading the projects and uh, that's rolling really well so we're actually on schedule for a december delivery to awrl and then we'll have a, a month or two of editing so with any luck this book will be out in time for dayton and it's looking good so far well that's uh that's great looking forward to uh seeing the new book or new books and hey, yeah, I'm a there's, little there's hey man. I, right after this one, I'm a little disappointed. We didn't get that storm you had to drive through today. I man, I always like storms. Now we like the power outages here because <laughs> you know we put the home generator in for, for the home now, and it comes on automatic. And we're down to about nine hundred dollars cost per hour now with the home generator. So we need more outages. 
Well, hey, I'm, I'm glad you made it home there. Uh, looks like uh, looks like your uh, your your cats here are are, are doing pretty yeah, good tonight. That's, that's the demon child. She's yeah yeah. She's here. She was up here before I got in for the show, so she was ready and waiting. Well, she knows it's Tuesday night, and you know yeah, she's she ready does. ready for the show there. All right. Well, look, let's go. Let's go ahead and uh, uh, hey, let's jump over to our two guests here. We've got we got one guest that had to get up in the morning. It's two o'clock in the morning here. Uh, John Hudson, one of the founders of SDR Play. Um, uh, John is in here. Uh, John, I get your call. Your call was G four. What was G four ABQ? Yeah, G four ABQ. How you doing, man? And uh, sorry about having to get up so yeah later um, early. It's two o'clock uh, local UK time here. Oh man! So, so I'm not sure if it's morning or night, but I, it's actually Wednesday, I guess technically. Yeah. And it's uh, really great to uh, to be invited onto the show, Tom. So well, you know, it is Wednesday there again. You're you're in the future. We're in the past. So uh, I, I know Glenn is going to ask for the lottery numbers, but please please don't give them out. We're not allowed to do that. You know, on, on the show here. You can yeah, shoot, you're allowed to give them out. I'll share with you. You can now. shoot me a private email with them, though, if you if you know what they are, John. Well, hey, man, hey, you, you're looking good there to have got up in the middle of the night or morning or, or whatever it is there. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about your SDR uh, receivers tonight. And I, this is this is exciting to me. I, can, I got some questions, man. Hey, and, and who you have with you there? We, we've got uh, we've got Steve with us out in Colorado. Hey, Steve, come on in here and uh, shoot us your call. Yeah, good evening. Uh, this is Steve Brightman, KI5ENW, and uh, I'm just getting acclimatized to moving from Dallas up to uh, Colorado Springs, and uh, I'm on Mountain Time. And really, the only thing I'm here for tonight is to prod John if he falls asleep. <laughs> Okay, uh, well, we'll, we'll show, but I'm here in case something comes up uh, in response to questions and stuff. I might go up and research some stuff and, and get some further information. Well, we're going to try to not let him fall asleep tonight. <laughs> we're going we're to try our best. So, hey, let's just jump right into it, man. I'm, I'm really excited about the uh, uh, SDR play and uh, the different products. Uh, What's the designator of the your little receiver there? The RSP one, I think. Uh, uh, that's right. So, what, let, let me uh, take a few minutes to just kind of talk through sure. for those of you who may not be sure familiar with the SDR play a little bit, a bit about our background, where we came from, what we're doing, and and the products and so on. And then, um, after I don't know ten, fifteen minutes or so, we can start to uh, maybe take questions and uh, yeah how it goes really so um i think the key thing is tom if you just shout if you can't hear something or see something or uh, okay uh you know and uh, we'll, we'll get stuck in so yeah uh, uh, as i said i'm john g4abq one of the co-founders of sdr play uh which is a british company um and we're actually uh eight years old now it's um it's a joint venture that was uh, set up um, eight years ago in conjunction with a UK chip company called Mirix. And um, Mirix really pioneered uh, SDR technology for uh, PCs. And there was a time, actually, when it looked like cell phones would, uh, before the days of even smartphones, um, 
that you would have broadcast reception on your phone. If you remember, you used to have, you know, FM radio uh, using the, uh, the the headphone leads as, as antennas. You had people in Japan uh, commuting to work, watching digital terrestrial TV. So there was uh, a potential for um, some way of unlocking all that CPU power in your phone and being able to pick up uh, broadcast reception anywhere from long wave, like in the UK, we still have long wave broadcast radio, all the way through to kind of um, uh, L band. So, um, uh, Murix really pioneered some chips. And then over time, some of the hobbyists said, hey, look, these chips can make some really serious uh, dongles. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, we got together. Uh, my background was uh, was also in electronics, but I was kind of the token radio ham as I got into ham radio, gosh, 55 years ago, I was playing with radios and, um, and, and kind of knew the ham community. And it was a real great coming together of a lot of expertise from the chip side, from uh, kind of knowledge of some of the hobby interests. And we came together to uh, create the RSP family, which I'm going to talk about. Um, we're quite a small company. We're still only seven employees. Um, we've got Steve in uh, Colorado. We've got Mike down in Florida. And these are the key guys who really provide uh, technical support uh, in the U.S. time zone. And the rest of us are Brits. We're over here. I live in um, Bedford, about one hour north of London. And um, we're sprinkled across the country. And we're kind of we're actually a virtual company even before um, uh, the COVID uh, came along. So we just come together when we need to. And we subcontract the manufacturing to other British companies. So, in fact, we make our products in Peterborough and in Hartlepool. So in the south and the north of England, two separate uh, subcontract companies actually um, do all the assembly, the test, um, like I say, the chips were designed in the UK. It's very much a British company. We're registered. We pay taxes in the UK, and um, it's uh, it's it's been a great uh, a great a great success, really, thanks to this uh, this hobby community who've been so supportive of what we've done. I just take a minute. There's probably only a few people out there who really still just think, "What is this SDR stuff?" I've still got my nice big box with bright, you know big knobs and dials and, um, you know, what's it all about? Well, really, a software-defined radio is a radio communication system where the components that were traditionally done in hardware, <coughs> so things like mixers, filters, amplifiers, modulators, demodulators, and so on, it's all done in software. And um, it's implemented on some kind of host computer, it could be a PC, some embedded system, and increasingly, um, you know, it's moving to smaller and smaller, more portable uh, computing devices. This is a block diagram which illustrates our uh, entry product, the RSP1A. And <clears throat> the reason I'm showing it is just to <clears throat> give you a sense of what's in the hardware, because really we're putting in our hardware boxes, everything needed to allow the software to do its stuff. All right, now, John, I don't see the share. I guess you're sharing the screen now. 
Yeah. Can you not see? Have you have you seen now, that? Oh, oh, okay, I see that. Yeah. Uh, now, wait a minute. Is that... Is that is, have you not I'm seeing it sharing Zoom? I, I, I'm not either. I'm seeing... No, I am seeing. Oh, you it. are. I'm seeing the block diagram of yeah. the RSP. Oh, okay, let let me uh, let me see if I can figure out how to get that in here. Something's not working quite right tonight. Um. Um. So I'm not I'm not seeing the share screen. Uh, it says I'm. I am screen sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm seeing it on my end. Oh, that wasn't that good. That wasn't good. Yeah, I'm seeing it here, too. Okay, okay. Um, Switch video and share the screen. There we go. Now I got you. There uh, it is. Ah, yeah. There we go. Okay, we got you up there now. Okay, that's good. So I'm showing here the block diagram of our simplest uh, entry-level product, the RSP1A, just by way of uh, explaining what it is, the kind of stuff that goes into that hardware box. Over on the left-hand side here, um, you have um, a, a whole bunch of uh, filters. Um, one of the big issues with uh, such a wideband reception is that all those signals, even the ones you don't want way out of band, are all there coming in, have the potential to cause all sorts of uh, mixing uh, products and artifacts, the kind of thing you get with a cheap dongle. And so we've got things like filters that can add 30 to 50 dBs of extra isolation against um, the big interferers like medium wave transmitters, FM transmitters over in Europe. We have DAB transmitters up in the 200 meg region. So we have some software selectable filters Assuming you don't want to listen to those signals, you just uh, turn those on and it just reduces the problems for the signals you want. There's obviously a bunch of gain stages. We've got a bias T circuit to power a remote uh, uh, masthead antennas and um, low noise amplifiers that may be closer to the antenna. And then at the heart of it, we've got all these bandpass filters, um, you know, anything from up to 13 of these different bandpasses mm. to segment the whole spectrum because we cover from one kilohertz to two gigahertz. We split it such that um, depending on which band you're in, um, you're uh, adding that extra selectivity and removing the unwanted signals around it. Once that's all done, there's a, a an RF tuner and mixing circuit to then do the analog to digital conversion and basically via the USB interface send a stream of ones and zeros off to the um, uh, host computer that then does its stuff. So we have uh, three products in, the, in our product range, the RSP1A I've kind of mentioned and then I'm going to go on and talk about the RSPDX and the RSP Duo. And a big part of our offering really is not just this hardware, it's the software, because really the software is what glues it all together. And that's what is constantly evolving. So if you buy the hardware today, uh, you can expect the software to constantly improve, get better. And um, our main uh, software that uh, we provide is SDR 
Uno. So, a quick roundup of the uh, of, of the capabilities of each of these RSPs. Um, RSP was a, a terminology we came up with. It stands for Radio Spectrum Processor. It's really another TLA, a three-letter acronym, but um, it is so much more than a dongle. We wanted to give it a, a, a kind of a, a handle, if you like. So it's, they're all called RSPs. People refer to them as RSPs, but originally it's Radio Spectrum Processor. So the RSP1A, um, which was an upgrade of the very initial product we brought out was the RSP1. So as do they all, it's what clean, and I really put the emphasis on clean coverage between one kilohertz and two gigahertz. So you're really spinning that dial anywhere across all that uh, coverage. And you're able to get visibility of up to 10 megahertz of spectrum. And again, for those of you not familiar with SDR, probably the biggest difference compared to a, a traditional radio is the um, the visibility. You're actually seeing those signals. You've got the ability to point and click. And um, your brain can as assimilate a, a whole new dimension of information about, uh, you can just bring up uh, 40 meters and know instantly, aha, this is a day I want to go play on 40 meters um, in a way that, you know, it. I guess it doesn't take that long, but you spin the dial and have to uh, listen in the traditional radio. Uh, so with the 1A, you get all-round functionality. It's got a single antenna port um, and all the uh, front-end filters and so on that I mentioned. Um, and, and a whole bunch more. This is very much the... Uh, entry-level product and this is a great way if you've got friends uh, you know kind of retiring uh, probably played with radio years ago and you want to kind of encourage them back into the hobby um, this is, is is a superb way to to get them involved and also with the emphasis more and more on things like uh, raspberry pis and uh, small board computers and so on at the other end of the spectrum to attract those uh, you know teenage folk into uh, what is becoming, you know, a kind of a, a, a resurrected hobby, isn't it? As people uh, get kind of cynical about the internet and, um, and also re realising it's not always there when you need it, then I think there is a growing interest in radio. And this is a great way to kind of kindle that uh, interest. Um, just as an aside, all our RSPs, as well as being usable for, the, for our hobby, I mean, because of the professional um, engineering that's gone into it, uh, our SDR Uno actually doubles as a very accurate RF power meter. You can do um, uh, field monitoring. You can uh, create uh, log files that you can put a, uh, go back and analyze. So it's um, it's actually the sort of thing you can uh, can use at work as well for those of you working in the uh, in the radio field. Um, there's a lot of third-party software out there, far too much to really go into, but one of one of the popular functions is the Spectrum Analyzer function, where you, you actually have the capability of a, a pretty good uh, Spectrum Analyzer just uh, with software running on Windows. So moving up, we have the uh, RSPDX, which is the, um, <clears throat> the key here here is it's got multiple antenna ports because one of the things is when you've got such a wide spectrum from one kilohertz 
all the way up to two gigahertz. You know, really, no one antenna will be adequate uh, to really give a good performance across all those frequencies. You're going to need, you know, probably um, a wideband UHF antenna, might be a disco or something. <coughs> uh, down at uh, LF, you may be using an active magnetic loop. You may have some favorite uh, uh, handband uh, antennas that you want to use, multiband, um, maybe for HF. So it's, uh, it's a very big requirement to be able to kind of software select the antenna for the particular frequencies um, you're suddenly uh, interested in. And, you know, rather than having to unplug, replug in the antenna, just having that uh, software switch and, and separate antenna ports has been uh, very, very popular. Um, we've also enhanced the HF performance. Um, the, the key thing about the RSPDX is below 2 megahertz. For those of you interested in, say, medium wave uh, broadcast DX, uh, listening for beacons down in LF and below, um, the other RSPs, um, you know, can get overloaded. And so we've added extra software and some extra filtering for, for the people interested in those frequencies. Um, there's an external clock input, so you, uh, up at UHF and above, where you really want uh, more accuracy than is provided by the built-in uh, temperature-controlled crystal uh, time base, then you can uh, you can synchronize with the GPS-conditioned um, uh, external clock input. And the other thing people comment on, it comes in a, a much more expensive, nice, black steel uh, case so it really uh, looks good on on the bench so that's the rsbdx and then our kind of top product is the rsp duo which um, goes the next step of giving you two receivers in one so you can just like with the other rsps you can select up to 10 megahertz of visibility anywhere across the spectrum or you can go into dual tuner mode and have two separate slots of up to two megahertz visibility, which is great for um, simultaneous monitoring of, uh, of widely spaced bands. It's also uh, great for, on the same frequency, having, for example, you can compare in real time between two antennas. So, um, uh, And then on the software side, with SDR Uno, we uh, have some diversity software which um, allows for signal enhancing and further kind of noise noise reduction. So, so that's a, that's a real exciting um, uh, top of the range uh, device. Like I say, it's got two simultaneous tuners, and um, it uh, all still goes through the one USB interface. And here's just a, a screenshot, you know, showing. 40 meters at the bottom, at the top. You could go into this split screen mode where, say, so basically got the, 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 two, the two receivers and we've got some uh, air band up on uh, the top screen here. Uh, you can mix and match applications because the signals coming out of the two tuners can be routed to totally separate uh, software <coughs> programs running on your computer. Um, and some of the people who are really into aircraft tracking and so on, they might be using um, 
one of the receivers for monitoring the air traffic control on VHF, and the other one I put one gig uh, uh, decoding the uh, ADSB uh, telemetry signals that uh, all the aircraft um, uh, transmit. This is just a quick look at the um, uh, control panels for the for the duo. Um, and the way it does this uh, diversity tuning is um, it automatically will tune for um, what's called the maximum ratio combination. So it's all the time comparing the signals coming in on the two uh, set through the two separate tuners <coughs> and adjusting them to uh, ensure they are in phase to add the uh, signals together for the maximum signal. And of course, in interference mode, in, in kind of rejection of interference, uh, you you do the opposite. You subtract the uh, unwanted signal uh, from the, the wanted signal. Here's a, a screenshot just, um, you know, when you're comparing two antennas in real time. So um, these tuners are both tuned to in 40 meters to 7.103. 3050, I think, and um, uh, because the HF conditions are constantly changing, you know, if you listen to one antenna and then you unplug it and put the other one in, you're never really sure whether um, it's the conditions uh, going up and down or, uh, you know, one antenna is truly better, especially if they're, you know, hard, hard to compare. So that's uh, so that's that. On our website, there's a comparison chart and a lot of information that summarizes all those capabilities, the differences of the various RSPs. Okay, are you still seeing the screen? Okay, Tom. Uh, yes, we are. Good. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the software, since this is such a such a key part of what uh, what we're about. Um, so, as I say, we have our own software, SDR Uno, and I'm going to come on and talk a bit more about that and the, and the, and the roadmap for that and the way we're heading for our, our complete rewrite, which is called SDR Connect. But in, in parallel with that, we have um, all along provided uh, low-level support for our hardware for those people who want uh, multi -pla other platforms, you know, Mac, Linux, Android, and so on. But we've just provided the API. And um, I think initially we thought by providing an API that, um, you know, the other software that runs on those other platforms would be adequate. But uh, we've learned a lot along the way and realized that actually people do want something that out of the box just, uh, you know, just works on those other platforms. SDR Uno, our own software, we took over from an Italian developer <coughs> four years ago, and um, we've really tailored it. It used to be called Studio One, and you had to pay, I think, $179 just for the software. So we, we bought that uh, software and uh, took, took it on board and have been developing it uh, ever since. Um, and those of you who use SDR Uno, I'm sure, um, are aware of some of the some of the limitations which over time as technology improves have um you know uh, we've not been able to take full advantage of for example some of the scaling uh, capabilities with um uh, high 
you know, high performance graphics cards and high resolution monitors and so on. So that's why we're 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 doing a complete rewrite, which I'll come on to. Um, but meanwhile, for those of you with other platforms, there are there are options. There's Cubic SDR that runs on uh, Linux, um, and also a Spark SDR and SDR plus plus. So um, SDR Uno at the moment, uh, we're just under. We've just released in the last uh, few weeks uh, 1.42, um, which uh, has got some enhancements to the memory panel system. Uh, we've improved the scanner. Uh, we've got it uh, running faster. Uh, you'll see now we do these uh, build versions. So, in fact, you can see uh, from the number, the build number is actually the month and date. So. July 20th, we released uh, the stuff at the top. Uh, then a week later, we fixed, uh, there was a bug there, and we also updated our API. And uh, the big one, um, on August 17th, we uh, we released what we call custom band framing. And uh, what band framing is, is um, you can probably see above me here on the, uh, the backdrop, those little uh, that little grid of buttons, which um, allows people to instead of actually choosing what frequency they want, what uh, mode of uh, you know is it upper sideband, lower sideband, they just click on forty meters and it instantly goes to lower sideband. It frames the band, um, but it just frames it, I guess, uh, uh, to cover the uh, US band of seven to seven point three megs. And all the Europeans moan because they say, well, hang on a minute, in Europe, we, we only go up to 7.2. So this type of thing uh, caused a, a lot of interest in having custom band framing. Other people may be only interested in CW. So I just want to see, you know, the bottom 70 kilohertz of, of the band or whatever it is. Um, so we've now introduced custom band framing where you can actually define your own, your own bands. So that was released... Uh, literally uh, last month in August and we've got a few more uh, things coming in the in the coming weeks but the big uh, next step is SDR connect and I'm going to talk a few more minutes on that and, and then we'll uh, throw it open to, to questions and so on and SDR connect is this cross uh, cross platform uh, capability it's a complete rewrite of uh, SDR you know so um, we were talking about SDR Uno version 2, and we've basically renamed it, given it a new name to reflect the fact it's a complete rewrite. Um, but for those of you who like the exact uh, current look and feel of and all the features in SDR Uno, we will be continuing to support that. It's just we won't be adding new features because, you know, things like over the last couple of years, we've added a scanner, we've added... Um, you know, so many extra things. We won't be adding those big, big jumps in in uh, capability to, to SDR Uno. It will be SDR Connect. And this will run on ARM, on Mac OS, Linux, uh, obviously Windows and Android. Um, one of the big new things is remote server and client software to 
really give you the experience that when you're away from home or away from that nice low noise monitoring environment where you've set up your RSP and you can go anywhere on the planet and um, over the internet uh, access your remote um, RSP. It's something that we've never really been able to do properly in SDR Uno, so this will be a really big, uh, big plus. Um, it is a complete re rewrite of the GUI. The graphical user interface is completely re rewritten. Um, it'll be a much more consistent user interface. At the moment, you know, if you kind of alt-tab between, um, uh, you know, different software on, on, on your Windows PC, um, some of the windows that form the um, current user interface, um, you know, they're not all held together and you, you have to kind of separately bring them back one by one. So things like that will be much better. It'll be more intuitive, easier to use. A lot of people say, I love it. Well, it's, you know, they love it once they get to know it, but it, it's a little bit of a learning curve. Um, it's not quite as intuitive as some people would like. We really tried to listen to our customers and address that with the, the rewrite, which is SDR Connect. And it's going to be compatible with all the current RSPs, obviously, and also uh, with the RSP2 and the RSP2 Pro products, which were discontinued uh, three years ago. But we won't be able to support the old RSP1 Obviously, people can continue to use up SDR Uno for that. The status is we've done all the rewrite. We've got the core DSP engine working for Spectrum and Waterfalls. We might be able to have time to even do a quick quick demo, just showing uh, the capability there. We, we've got it working cross-platform, and we've got the networking capability working over the Internet. In fact, we did a demo at Dayton um, where Steve was uh, up in Dayton and uh, he was remotely accessing um, with the SDR Connect uh, prototype software and RSPDX here back in the UK. Um, so that, but, you know, that there's not a lot to see, but that that's the really hard work. The remaining work, which um, we're, we're going all out for a December first uh, release, is getting the new graphical user interface out, which will retain the style and the popular features, but address some of those uh, crit criticisms of, of, of what we have today. Uh, just a couple of extra points for those of you who, again, trying to attract people to radio is, is, is something I know a lot of people want to do. With a, with a wideband RSP, a general coverage receiver of this uh, caliber, there's a lot of other things you can do um, rather than just listening to rag chewing and uh, uh, people uh, sort of moaning about the state of the world constantly, which we all do, I know, um, on, uh, on, on the handbands. And you could read them for yourself here. But, but, and, and this list is being added to all the time. Uh, for information, everything... Uh, our website, we've tried to make it as uh, as user-friendly as we can. Um, just about everything you need is on our website, sdrplay.com. And uh, there's big, bold buttons for the, the things that people most need, like 
information about the product, obviously where to buy it. And this uh, third one down on the right, the software, because once you go into uh, the software choices, um, uh, we have various ways of guiding you through based on your particular configuration of, of hardware, your, your, which RSP, which uh, computer you're using, which software you're using. And probably the other thing is the, the help side of things is something that we really do try to do our best at. We have a very rigorous help system so that anyone can um, raise a ticket and then that ticket is is logged and we do our very best to close it off as quickly as possible. And, you know, with Steve and uh, Mike over there in the US, um, that means uh, daytime US coverage is, is pretty good. Um, and as you can see, we get up at all times of night here in the UK as well. Um, so we can come back and talk a bit more about uh, the website. Um, here's uh, just under the um, miscellaneous uh, button, all the other resources available, available to people. Um, there's sort of hints and tips around antennas. There's a regular blog. Um, probably the community links is uh, one of the most powerful because that then gives you links to things like the Facebook groups, the independent uh, uh, forums on groups.io and so on, where there are thousands of people who actually, uh, chances are, have tried to do what you want to do with your RSP. And it's a very friendly uh, community. You can come along and you'll get a lot of advice and tips and, um, uh, and, and help from, from other users. So, and then bottom left there, documentations and videos. We've built up a, a huge library of how-to videos. To, um, and Mike down in Florida, uh, KB2KOG, <coughs> has been... Um, uh, you know, a huge uh, contributor to that, as, as has Steve there. Um, so you you can you can search. There's, uh, there's a search search bar, and um, you can get relevant help to all the normal type of things you might need help on. Um, we we have a growing number of plugins, which are extra programs, which seamlessly interface to SDR Uno to uh, uh, do things like um, uh, annotating the spectrum with si uh, signals uh, and so on. So um, we can talk uh, a bit about that. But I'm very conscious I've rambled on here for nearly half an hour. So That's I'd fine. like to um, uh, maybe just uh, take a break here, Tom, and <coughs> just see uh, you know if, if, if there's any questions coming in through the chat and we can make it a bit more interactive. Sure, and I've got a bunch of questions here I've uh, jotted down uh, during your your talk there. Let's see if we can bring you, you, bring you back in here. Uh, if I can figure out how to do this, let me look here. Uh, let's see what that does. Well, I think he has to stop sharing first. All right, I think I've got, uh, I've got you all, I got, I've got you guys on plus a picture of all of us going to infinity. I don't need that. <laughs> All right, so, all right, hey, great, great job here, uh, John. I mean, I got a lot of questions, and there have been a few in the chat room there uh, discussing it. Um, 
Boy, and you're in no specific order, so hey, this is, is going to be a shoot uh, questions at you, and we're gonna we're gonna try to answer them. Okay. Yep. All right. So let's see. Um, well, hey, first let me say thank you very much uh, for uh, donating an RSP one prize for our Huntsville Ham Fest. Uh, that was a, that was a great prize, and uh, I'm not sure who won it. Uh, we gave out so many prizes, but that was a great prize. Maybe the person that won that prize is on in the chat room tonight. So, hey, if you won the RSP one in the chat room, tell us who you were tonight. So, thank you, uh, John, uh, for 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 doing that. Um, so you've already shown there there are other applications of this. There's commercial applications and in, in industry and commercial applications. That, that's yeah. that's right. And uh, let's talk about the the uh, software, the SDR Uno software. Uh, uh, other people's software will work with this, won't it? That's right. I mean, probably um, it's hard to say which other software is most popular. But traditionally, HDSDR, which was probably the first most rugged. Um, popular software that people were using for dongles um, it, it hasn't been added to a lot but it's good solid uh, you know mm -hmm. out of the box pretty easy to use software and that will um, that will work with our okay. RSPs um, when you get to the RSP duo because of the uh, extra complexity and some of the features there Things like diversity tuning and uh, simultaneous um, display of two independent tuners, um, those kind of things won't work. But even um, HDSDR, you can launch two, two instances of HDSDR and have the two tuners running simultaneously. Um, so HDSDR is a great one. That's, again, that's Windows only. Um, there's also... Uh, uh, Simon Brown, who has SDR Console, and uh, he has always supported our RSPs, both his older version 2 and now version 3, um, which uh, which works pretty well. And there are people who like SDR Console. Uh, so that, John, that's... can I jump in on you here for a second? Yeah, sure. Right here. Uh, while we're talking about this, uh, the uh, Cubic SDR has been around for a long time and was the program of choice for Mac users, and I count myself as a Mac user. Uh, it does support the uh, the duo in dual tuner mode, but it, it does not do diversity, as you pointed out. Uh, but in the Mac world, I think the most exciting development recently has been SDR++, and uh, that now has native support for all the RSPs. Again, it doesn't have diversity tuning, but it does have uh, dual tuner support for, uh, for the RSP duo. So, just want to point that out. Uh, that's, right. that's, that's, that's a good point. So, so here's a question. You know, I, I uh, in, in some of the things we do in ham radio, sometimes we we need to listen in at these remote, you know, Kiwi receivers and SDR receivers across the world and maybe tune in in Russia so we can hear something locally or we're tracking a, a pico balloon or something so uh my question tonight before you came in here was is it possible to use one of your rsp ones as a uh, a remote 
SDR, and I think you talked about that under your, um, what was it, SDR Connect. Yes, so obviously our new software is all about doing exactly that and giving you the same experience as you have if it was plugged in directly into your local computer. Um, the, way, the way you can do it today is, I mean, a, um, SDR console supports remote access, we also have TCP um, server software, so running on something like a Raspberry Pi, which is a nice low-cost environment, you can remotely access um, your RSP with any software that has what, what's called an XTIO interface. So we have an old version of STIO, you know, which still has an XTIO interface, so you can use that. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles that have been introduced in the last three years. Um, and you could also remote in with HDSDR so, and um, I don't know, Steve, if you want to add to uh, what um, remote capabilities we have. Um, yeah, that, that's about it for now, John. I, I think what was exciting and uh, I, I got a kick out of it myself was you mentioned I did a, a demo at Dayton Hamvention this year and uh, I was running... Uh, an early version of SDR Connect on an M1 Mac at the show, uh, connecting back to a server that was uh, at John's location back in the UK. And it worked surprisingly well. And I know sometimes when you have this remote uh, software for accessing uh, things over the internet, uh, you have problems when they, you know, when there's problems uh, with connectivity over the internet, it tends to drop out and then you have to kind of start over and reconnect. And uh, SDR Connect seems to be extremely uh, robust. And yes, I saw a few glitches where the signals would uh, freeze for a few seconds, but then it picked right back up. I, I never had to stop the software, restart it or anything. So, um, you know, I, I would agree. John mentioned uh, SDR Console, which I think today is probably the best way of, of achieving remote connectivity. But uh, I think when Connect comes along, it, uh, it's going to pretty much uh, be the, the preferred way of doing it. So, I'm going to kick it back to you, John, because I don't know anything about it. But do you want to mention something like Web SDR? Yeah, I was going to. There, there are uh, these things like Web SDR where people hook up their RSP one, uh, RSPs to it. Um, so the, 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 they, they will work with, with our RSPs as well. This is where you provide your radio for multiple access. Um, uh, this, this, the, if, if you take, if you just do a Google on uh, Web SDR, you can see the. Um, so, the so that's, that was one of my questions. One of my questions, John. So, if I wanted to set up uh, a a remote uh, receiver, SDR receiver, for people to use, uh, there are people out there using the Web SDR with like an RSP1. And my question is, can multiple people, how does that work? Can multiple people tune on an RSP1? Can they tune, can you have four or five different people listening at different places? Or So with the, um, if you use something like SDR console, that's very much whoever grabs it has control. And then okay. they have complete control, so they can go anywhere. Uh, obviously, it's, if it's a third-party system, it's whatever antenna they've connected. Sure. But you could choose, if it's an HF antenna, to go from top band to 10 or whatever. 
If it's a web SDR, then it's a case of whoever's uh, got it first will set the spectrum which is accessible to um, other users. Um, they're all a little bit different, um, and um, but you're you're very much dependent on um, you know whoever's grabbed it first, and you can set okay. different rules. You can. Um, I think you can even uh, password protect and have it so only you can do it in the same way that uh, SDR console works. Yeah. Now you um, mentioned you mentioned the uh, I think the SDR connected software. You guys bought a company. I guess it uh, developed it. So so is there a charge? Is the there a charge for the SDR connect software? No, not at all. No, we we provide that free of charge with our hardware. So if you buy an RSP one A today. In December, when SDR Connect comes out, you get to download that and run it. Um, the thing we bought was called Studio One back in uh, 2017, 2018, 2017. Mm -hmm. It was um, developed uh, in Italy, and that was what used to cost 179 bucks. And what you had was like a security dongle that came and you had to kind of to prove that you'd, you'd paid your money and this was very very popular but at that price it wasn't probably you know selling in the tens of thousands so um but it it was it it had such uh good feedback in particularly in the dsp technology the quality of the audio the noise <coughs> noise filtering and so on we thought this is a really good start if we take this we can do something with it so we took it over and so all the releases of sdr uno over the last uh, four years have been incremental improvements mm -hmm. uh coupled with one or two complete new capabilities like a, a, a scanner for example the scanning software which we added um about a year ago uh, probably 18 months ago, we started working on our cross-platform software. And that work has been going on to the point where, as Steve says, in Dayton, we were able to demonstrate the complete rewrite of the core technology needed for SDR Connect. So SDR Connect is, is written by SDR Play. It's totally ours. And we will make it available to our customers who have our hardware, it will work for uh, the RSP1A, the RSP-DX, the RSP-Duo, uh, the RSP-2, the RSP-2 Pro. The very early RSP-1, it won't work for that. But that that okay. was the product that we it was obsoleted, I think, in 2017. Are, are you required to lock out any frequencies by the government there, or where you sell these in different countries, you know, cellular yeah, we, or anything? We, um... The thing that we had to do with the scanning software was to uh, to lock out the ability to scan across the um, cellular frequencies because that's yeah. a, a requirement of U.S. legislation. So, is that a, is um, that a software defined lockout or is that in the hardware? Pure, it's purely the so yeah our SDR Uno scanning software does not allow you to scan oh, okay. that capability. But because, uh, if you think about it, the, the actual hardware, uh, it's <clears> the <throat> hardware and software together that makes it really the receiver. Um, right. 
the hardware itself is obviously open to pick up whatever signals are through that. Um, each country has its own laws about what you can do with a radio. I mean, even to the point listening to air traffic control, um, I think in some countries you're not, not really meant mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. And with a lot of this stuff, there's there's the thing where you might be, you might hear stuff which is not designed for your consumption, and then it is a an offence to share that information with a third party, right. whatever right. those rules are. Um, you know, it's the same as as with any other general coverage receiver. So, so uh, how how good is this thing really? I mean, if I had a transmitter, let's say I don't have a transceiver, if I just had me a ham transmitter, could I actually take this SDR play, and make it my receiver, and it would have great selectivity and sensitivity? Would it be just? Yeah, would mean, it people, be equivalent to a, a transceiver? It, it, yeah, in a kind of you know, listening test, you just take any regular Kenwood ICOM or, you know, and side by side, um, it, 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 it's pretty close. I wouldn't say that we're, you know, going to have, um, you know, have something a lot better, but the, the fact that we're a 14-bit A to D gives us a dynamic range which is, is is approaching and close to what's achievable in a regular receiver. So, you know, I... You could I, argue some of those yeah. noise blanking and noise features actually mm. take you the next step. <laughs> and the ability to notch, and then you're into the user interface, can give you an edge versus, uh, you know, what's there on... So the I, I kind of look at I kind of look at the Flex radio and, you know, how uh, it's advertised. I guess you got all the software filters you can... You can just do all kinds of wonders with that. It, it seems like you can do the same thing with this. Yeah, flex. I, you know, flex is 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 very much up here. Uh, you know, that's a sixteen bit radio. That is, um, you know, is going to have have the edge on our performance. But you're looking at a you know a, a radio that's you know ten times the the cost. Mm -hmm. So um, I think we're. Um, I think, I think, John, that there's another factor when, you, when you're comparing it to uh, Flex. Uh, with, who make great radios? They were, they were just down the road from me when I was in Dallas, down in Austin. And uh, although they and us are both using SDR techniques in the sense that everything's defined in software, um, the, the end goal with a, a Flex transceiver is a little bit different than what we're trying to do. Because yep. what a flex is trying to do is receive and transmit on a specific frequency. So in a sense, it's a bit like a conventional, you know, superhead type radio. Selectivity is very important to them. And they're using these SDR techniques to do the best they can, a bit like you said there, Tom. But in our case, since we're a receiver only, we tend to want to look at a wider swathe of the spectrum. Okay, because we're, we're, we're geared all about receiving. So John mentioned very early on when he was introducing the, the RSPs, the fact that you essentially we're wide open. We can't use a super head equivalent to narrow it down because we want to see that full 10 megahertz sometimes. Mm -hmm. So we use the pre-select filters and the, um, the uh, notch filters for things like DAB and medium wave and, and FM to try and give us um, the best compromise of the, the widest span we can look at 
and still be able to eliminate all those uh, unwanted uh, imaging products that can show up in the back. And if, if you were to look at the history of our radios, went from the RSP1 to the 2 to the 1A, you'll see progressively we've improved that filtering capability to do the best we possibly could for a receive-only type device. Hopefully that's, that makes some sense. That's a very good, good point, Steve. Yeah. So, I, I, I hear you mentioning the 10 megahertz uh, bandwidth there. If I use this as a spectrum analyzer, and I, I want to look at, say, the second and third harmonic of 20 meters, I mean, can, can I actually look at 50 megahertz uh, bandwidth here, or am I limited to 10? No, with these spectrum analyzer software, which is a, it's a third-party software developed by a guy in Australia, but um, it actually stitches together uh, the, the, I think it actually does two, two megahertz steps and just uh, uh, scans the full 50 meg, whatever you want. You can, in fact, you can, you can scan from, from kilohertz to gigahertz. It just takes mm. a bit longer. And it just stitches together, and you see you see the uh, uh, see the, the waveform appear. So you can see your third harmonic, fifth harmonic, however however much you want to look at. So here's a, a question from uh, N7XGR. Uh, he says, "Does the ICOM RC28 work with the Uno with regards to changing the frequency?" I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know what I'm asking. Okay, what he's, I think what he's saying is he's obviously interested in using it as a pan adapter, yeah. which is a very common use where you've got your existing transceiver and you just want to add this fantastic visual display to it. Right. Which, um, and there are some limitations with certain rigs where you can or can't control um, SDR Uno because, I don't know, Steve, if you want to pick this up as the author of our pan adapter uh, resource there in terms of just describing briefly how yeah, the pan adapter yeah. works there's, there's two things i should talk about here because firstly you've actually answered the wrong question um I, I looked it up real quick the icom rc28 is actually a usb encoder so it is more like um a, a teammate i think and, and what a teammate is, is a, a, a rotary encoder device with some push buttons. And we do actually have a teammate server built into SDR Uno. So we are compatible with the teammate. Uh, there's also one of the plugins, and John didn't go into plugins very much, but there's a plugin available for SDR Uno that will work with the uh, Contour Shuttle uh, Express and the, and the more sophisticated one. When we're talking about the ICOM RC28, today, just now, was the first time I'd ever heard of it. So I have no idea um, how compatible we might be with that. So that, that's, that's the correct answer to the original question. But I do appreciate John trying to get us into the subject of pan adapters, because as you may know, that's one of my favorite topics. Mm -hmm. And uh, that comes down to, um, and it kind of gets back to what you were talking about earlier, Tom, about... Uh, enjoying the benefits of the features of SDR Uno and an RSP in conjunction with the conventional uh, transceiver, because you can certainly lock the two together. So you can use um, an RSP as essentially the receive side and have the advantage of seeing that up to full 10 megahertz of spectrum. So you can see where all the signals are. 
and then you can click on that signal and you can make SDR Uno send a command back to your rig to tune it to that same frequency. And we use a piece of third-party software, it's free, uh, called OmniRig to do that. And um, that makes an extremely powerful combination. And uh, we, we've all seen the fancy icons and the ASUS that have the little uh, uh, band scope displays on them. And I, I think, um, well, John's the only one not wearing glasses here that I see. But um, my eyes can't see those small displays very well, whereas I can put SDR Uno's frequency uh, spectrum up on a huge monitor and look at it and see all those signals, and then it's just a simple click away to, uh, <coughs> to tune my rig to that same frequency. So well, me... I, can, I can monitor the whole band in Uno. If I see a signal, I can click on it. If someone's calling CQ, I can just pick up the mic on my on my rig and, and respond immediately. So let me and, read. Uh, uh, let me read uh, uh, Bruce's comment here. It might help clarify a little bit or give us more yeah. information. He said the RC twenty eight is an outboard VFO that plugs into the seventy six ten, and I didn't even know that. I've got a seventy six ten. I didn't know that. Uh, running, it says running the uh, HDSDR program. And plugging it into the PC, I can change the frequency in the HD SDR. I'm lost. Well, yeah, again, I just looked it up, and it said it's a a controlled USB encoder. Um, Mm. And what I just described for a pan adapter uh, works both ways. Uh, the, The only rig I've got here that I use locally is a Kenwood, a TS590SG, okay? And I have a choice. I I can hook the two together through OmniRig. And if I see a signal in Uno and I click on it, it will tune the Kenwood to that same frequency. Conversely, if I spin the dial on the front of the Kenwood to change the frequency, it will change the frequency back in SDR Uno. So I I think we're achieving the same thing. Um, but but again, like like you, I'm not I've not encountered the RC28 before. It, uh, what's not clear, I think, Tom, is is he saying he has a specific problem, or is this just a general interest question? Well, I think he's doing it, or somehow, or wanting to. He do may it. be maybe yeah. seeing a limit. If he's seeing a limitation, um, it might be worth him raising a ticket on our help system, <clears> specifically <throat> asking the question. Well, okay. Can, uh, you know, I, I, again. Um, HDSDR also uses OmniRig for synchronizing to, to a transceiver, okay? So if he has this ICOM RC28, which is actually serving as a tuning knob for the IC7610, then if it's hooked to HDSDR through OmniRig, then yes, when he changes the frequency using this knob on the 7610, it will be reflected in HDSDR and vice versa. In which case... You could certainly do exactly the same thing with with uh, SDR Uno, um, and we have plenty of people that have interfaced uh, Uno to an IC seventy six ten through OmniRig. So I, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm really interested in things like the spectrum analyzer and a power meter and so forth. Uh, what what type levels? Uh, what type level of power can this? Uh, so we we um. Are limited to uh, one milliwatt or zero dBm power levels is the maximum <coughs> continuous signal strength that should ever appear at the okay. antenna port. So you could use an external uh, twenty dB attenuator Absolutely. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you just need to add attenuators accordingly. And with experimentation, obviously, if you 
you know, you've got powerful transmitters in the shack and you're doing measurements. The important thing is to start low, just check those levels are not exceeding. Yeah. Uh, we actually say 10, you can go to 10 milliwatts, 10 dBm for short periods. Um, you know, that's, uh, that, that's our kind of re recommended yeah, yeah. Le level. Okay. The problem is um, where people, uh, really the only damage happens either from <coughs> lightning strike, the, the, the big killers of, uh, of these kind of wideband RSP, uh, SDRs is uh, lightning strikes, static, and just blowing them up with just hundreds of watts yeah, uh, yeah, in very close proximity, particularly on HF, where the um, you're in the near field of the uh, transmitting antenna. Um, yeah. I'd like to just add briefly to that. Um, you can't quite see it over John's shoulder in, in the background there, or even over my shoulder. But SDR Uno is kind of unique in the software field in that the uh, the spectrum shows out a reading in dBn, not dB full scale or, or any other arbitrary dB reference. So we actually have game tables built into the software. So what you're seeing when you look at the spectrum in SDR Uno is the actual power level arriving at the antenna input. And uh, I did a video a while back uh, that talked about near-field coupling because that's uh, of concern to people because they may have one antenna they're using for transmitting on their rig, and they may have a separate receive-only antenna they're using to feed an RSP. And you can try and do calculations based on the frequency of operation and the separation and the relative position. But as John mentioned, if, if you start transmitting at, at a low level and monitor that transmit frequency in SDR Uno, as you progressively increase the uh, power output, you can see the signal level rise in SDR Uno. And you can see whether your near field coupling is getting anywhere near that zero dBm limit. Okay, so... Mm -hmm. That, that's a real nice feature of SDR Uno, and I'm not sure that I know of any other SDR software that is calibrated in that fashion. All right. So, uh, what are these? What are these? Uh, what are the new ham bands now? Six? Is it 630 meters or 1200? Or I, I don't even remember. It's been a while now since they came out. Uh, you know the ones I'm talking about? Yeah. And in fact, we've got them there. You you can see uh, behind me at the top here. Uh -huh. It's a little bit fuzzy, but. Um, uh, along the top row, I think that is the low bands. There's the 2200, the 630. Yeah. Uh, 2200, yeah. And, okay. and these are diff different in different regions of the world, but um, uh, they're kind of experimental bands. And the great thing is, yeah, you, they're well covered by our... So I, I've been wanting to play in that area. I, like, like you, John, I've been a ham now almost 60 years, and this is just something new, and uh, I, I like to build stuff. And... Uh, uh, knowing now that I could use uh, an RSP1A for the 630 meter band or the 2200 meter band receiver, uh, all yeah. I got all I got to do is come up with a transmitter. And I, you know, I, th and I think and the other thing is that also the antenna antenna. technology yeah. down there is also quite challenging as yeah. well because uh, although there are some active magnetic loops now which are going pretty low. Um, but I think yeah. the real enthusiasts, they Well, these, all I have uh, to do, basically, is come up with a 10,000-foot antenna. I mean, I, yeah. it should work there. So, yeah. But, you People know... do everything. There's even ground uh, ground rods and all sorts. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so, so that's, uh, that's, that, I, that opens the door. At least I could listen on those bands to see what I can hear. Exactly. You know? This is where the RSPDX has this extra capability 
for these low frequencies. I mean, all the RSPs will work down there, but uh, you'll get even better performance with an RSPDX. Uh -huh. That's why the DX is very popular amongst people that go searching for NDBs, non-directional beacons. Not that there's that many left anymore, but uh, the DX is really good down there. Yeah. And we've got over here in Europe, we've got a very active uh, community. I suspect some of them may be tuned in, even though this is a, a US show. Up in Finland, um, I think it's the the long winter evenings, but they um, they just love medium wave DXing. I mean, yeah. we've got there's, it's such a big thing, and they have these mile long antennas up in the north of Finland, right. and and they get you know they pick up uh, you know Radio Brighton on medium wave, and um, you know it's uh, it, get very excited because it it really is so hard to do. So I, I guess there's no software package that that includes uh, your your SDR radio plus things like uh, Whisper or FT8. Do you have to run those as separate packages? Well, as Steve said, we didn't really have time. I didn't take time to talk about our plugins uh, capability, but um, maybe I could just share my screen and just show you. Um, uh, where um where they occur and, and there's another while you're doing it there's one more question uh, i'm not sure can you take a moment to speak about support for gnu radio rsp1a specifically do you under, do I understand the question yeah. yes yes GNU radio we'll come on to that let me just uh, share the screen here um so <clears throat> <clears throat> so this is can you now see this is yes, the standard yeah. sort of uh, SDR, you know screen yeah we see it. and um actually the zoom controls are slightly blanking out there, there's the um this little window up here is the plugin window and you'll see uh, a bunch of different um plugins which are a combination of whatever plugins we provide as well as any third party do you plugins have that you uh, do you have like a slow scan tv as a plugin so what we have is um uh Right, slow scan TV. Steve, help me here. Which one would you recommend we show? We don't actually have one per se for slow scan TV, but I believe that I think if Black you use Cat. the Black Cat Systems plugin, it will interface to the Black Cat uh, software that does do SSTV decoding. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's so right. that, 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 you know, I want to point out that you Black Cat software is paid for. The plugin's free. And all the plugin does, it saves you having to set up um, shared COM ports and virtual audio cables and stuff like that. But there is, um, I, I, do you not have the FTA plugin? Didn't Jan uh, release one of those recently, John? He he did. Um, I don't think I've got so it. So just to give you some context, the, the plugin system was developed um, specifically for people that wanted to expand the capabilities of SDR Uno. And 
Um, we already knew we wanted to uh, produce SDR Connect. And as John mentioned, we're a small team, so we, we don't really have the ability to uh, go off and keep adding one plugin after another. So we opened it up to third-party developers, and, and some really good stuff's come out of it. Fran is my favorite for frequency annotator. And uh, you can download the various shortwave databases and stuff, and it will actually put the, the names of the stations up on the spectrum where they when they appear in SDR Uno. And um, like I say, I mentioned the Contour Shuttle plugin that uh, we just went through. And uh, here we go. CW, Navtex, Ritty, PSK, FT8, and DRM plugins. Um, Jan is uh, the guy that developed QTDAB. And uh, he's done a lot of other plugins that you can download from GitHub and put into uh, SDR Uno, and it makes it really easy to, to do FT8. Um, you know, historically, what you'd have to do is is run a piece of third-party software like MultiPSK or FLDG, DSD Plus. I mean, there's so many, and, and you know, it's always been designed to be able to talk to them using virtual audio cables and and uh, virtual com boards. But what these authors have done is they have generated these plugins uh, that you can just download, and and they become available to SDR Uno and it makes it much easier to, to use them. So here's the RTTY example, Tom. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's all there. If you go to the, uh, basically, <coughs> all the plugin resource links are on a, a page called sdrplay.com slash plugins, which you can get to from the miscellaneous um, section. And, and all the links are down here. You just click on... Uh, whatever you're interested in. I want to pick something and show it to you. <clears throat> Actually, well, there's a little love. I just I wanted to mention something else. Uh, it did, didn't come up during John's earlier presentation, but along the way when we <coughs> were developing uh, SDR Uno, we added a feature called <coughs> Profiles. And... Uh, it kind of uh, relates to talking about the um, uh, band framing buttons because what a profile does, it, it lets you save all the particular settings you have. So, for example, if, if you're only interested in CW on 40 meters, you don't really care going all the way from 7.0 to 7.3. You just want to be down at the low end. So you can change the settings so that you only see the CW portion of that band. Uh, you can also save your antenna selection, if you're interested in that, the gain settings and everything else, and save that as a profile. And then you can recall that profile at a later date, and you don't have to concentrate on moving the display back and forth to, to just narrow down on the <coughs> areas of interest. And that also gets back to the, the philosophy of leaving SDR Uno and moving on to, to uh, SDR Connect. We've added so many features since we uh, acquired the rights to the software and, and made it our own. As John mentioned, we added the scanner, we've added memory banks, we've added uh, uh, the profiles, now the custom band framing. And what we've done is we've, we've done our best to try and keep adding these features on top of each other. But as you can imagine, at the end of the day, you've got something that becomes a little bit top-heavy and unwieldy. And if you knew you wanted all those features on day one, you'd implement them a little bit differently. 
because there's considerable overlap. You know, you've got one way of saving the workspaces on the screen. You've got another way of saving frequencies of interest. You've got another way of saving profiles, and then you've got band select buttons. So, at a certain point, you've got to say, "Hey, stop! We we need to restart our thinking and and put it together in a nice user-friendly fashion." And hence, that's why we have SDR Connect coming out. So, look, here's another question for you: um, What level? PC, do we need to run in? I don't know if you're familiar, but you probably have seen this, uh, Steve. In the U.S., selling these little uh, laptops here for sixty bucks that uh, Evolve Three. It's just a little. Didn't have a hard. It's got a solid state hard drive in it. And uh, but I'm just wondering if something like that would run. Okay, your well, software. Let me take that one, John, because. There's actually, you'll find two videos. If you go to that video catalog that John mentioned, I did one that said, how much PC do you need to run SDR Uno? Uh-huh. And, uh, and Mike, my colleague, Mike Pat down in Florida, he did one as well. And the answer is, it depends. Um, I had, oh, I still have, I've got a little netbook somewhere that was dirt cheap. And does it run SDR Uno? The answer is Yes. Uh, does it run it very well? The answer is no. I also built a demo that I've been taking to some of the ham shows around the U.S. where I bought one of those little mini PCs with an Atom Core processor in it, and I mounted that on the back of a, a panel along with an RSP1A, and I made the whole thing run off 12 volts so I can just plug it plug it into the cigarette lighter tablet in my van. And the the, the problem is... It depends on how much performance you want to get out of SDR Uno. If you want to run that full 10 megahertz of bandwidth, it's going to get very hard to do that on on an underpowered PC. Mm. And then it becomes further confused when you go beyond uh, what are you doing in Uno, but you also want to be running a Zoom call, you want to be running Skype, you want to be doing word processing, you want to be doing your mail. Um, so... Like I say, it very much depends. But if you wanted a general recommendation that would allow you to run SDR Uno uh, flat out, run some other software with it, be it multi-PSK or Ham Radio Deluxe or or whatever, um, we would say a Core i5 processor would be the minimum. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably at least 8, eight uh, gigs of RAM. And personally, I wouldn't buy a PC anymore if it didn't have an SSD drive in it rather than a spinning drive. Yeah. Which is so much quicker. <clears throat> so the only thing mm-hmm. is that it's no good on Chromebooks, is it, Steve? No. For example, you've, so I, I'm not sure what that thing that Tom was waving. I'm not has. sure either. Is it true window? Is it a win? Yeah, a it's, win- it's Windows 10. It's Windows 10. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, hey, the price is right. I just bought one just to play with it and look at it. And, uh, and it's got a uh, USB you know, socket. It does basic stuff pretty pretty good, you know. Yeah, it's it's got a USB socket. It's the other key thing. Yeah, it's got That's two uh, two. It's got uh, yeah HDMI output, and uh, it's got two uh, USB threes, and it runs on twelve volts. It's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I did with the mini PC, just to, yeah. to see if it would do it. <clears throat> Like I say, for HF, you know, you don't typically want to look at 10 megahertz of spectrum, right? You've got, you yeah. Know, 500 kilohertz is more than enough. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But it's, it's not the most satisfying experience, and that's why I say it I find. Yeah. I, I don't know what you've got in that book you've got there. 
I think my first netbook was was also an Atom Core, like a Z five eighty or something. I forget what the numbers are. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, you know, don't don't say, well, this guy from SDR Play said I I could run it on a cheap netbook, and and now I'm trying to do it and it doesn't run because we we recommend something a bit more powerful so that you get a good experience and you don't get audio stuttering and so on. And I don't know whether the view over John's shoulder is better than mine. Right up in the top left corner, you can see that there's an activity meter in the upper left window. It says SDR and there's a certain percentage. Oh, yeah, like CPU usage or something. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that's a measure of the load going on your CPU. So if that system <clears> percentage <throat> starts bumping up towards the high end, you're going to have problem. The audio is going to start stuttering and so on and so forth. But yeah, it's very yeah. much dependent on the bandwidth you're trying to get out of SDR Uno and also what else you're running on that machine at the same time. Yeah. Well, I would think something like that, you'd want to limit it to maybe just one application if you could, you know, just kind of dedicate it to, to that. And you might, like you say, you might get by if you don't want to to uh, run it at, at maximum capacity, you know, you know, don't do a 10 meg, do a, you know. That's what I wanted to yeah. do. I wanted to get something that, you know, I could run in the van. Um, I got myself a, a a little wire loop antenna that I can break down mm-hmm. and then I hold it on the back of the van with suction cups. So if I'm out camping, uh, I can still do some, some nice HF listening or shortwave. It's really good. All right. Well, guys, uh, I, I think we've had a good discussion tonight. There's, there's, a lot of interest. People are uh, saying in the chat room how interesting our uh, discussion was tonight. So I think this was uh, really, really good there. Uh, if uh, people have questions, they can go to your website or can they email you? How, how, how should they yeah, get in touch the, with the you? The website is, um, if, if you want to just make general comments that we will read, but don't require a specific uh, answer, then you can send uh, emails to feedback at sdrplay.com um the other thing is if it's kind of general use of an sdr play rsp then those forums the community links are a great way to get a real rich cross-section of uh, comments and replies and then as you're showing there on the website if you go over to the right scroll right a little bit um, right tom uh, i don't know if you Let's uh, see, I can, uh, gotta go right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can do that. Watch if this. Right a bit. The buttons on the right hand side have, there's a help button. Yeah, okay. Where the, which has links to all our help resources. And, um, what and we did you can was raise we, a ticket. We analyzed all the support tickets we got to see what were the common questions, because we get asked the same things over and over again. And that went into the design of the help section, and it will reference you the videos uh, down a bit from there. So uh, it will it will send you to uh, it will show you videos or app notes that ask the questions, and then if you don't find the answer there at the bottom, you have the option to open up a support ticket. And the support ticket's important because you know we are a, a small company, but we're also global. So um, if you put it into the ticket system, whoever's awake at that time of day will be able to answer it. So either the guys in the UK will see it, or Mike or myself in, in the US will, will see what's going on. And if for whatever reason they allow <coughs> us to take vacation, which they don't do very often, 
or we're, we're sick or something, um, then somebody else can pick up the slack. Whereas if you just send emails, you're not necessarily going to get that response. And for those of you in cities where you have a local ham radio outlet, then if you drop by them, they sh uh, should be able to answer face-to-face -face, uh, questions uh, about the RSPs. And that's a great place to, to go buy one, HRO. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, they're in uh, any cities across the U.S. Yeah, about 20 stores around the U.S. And I, I guess I should give them a little plug. If anyone's up in the Milwaukee area, uh, Superfest is coming up next month, and um, I plan on attending. Uh, it's a little show they put on inside the store up there, and they have a bunch of vendors with tables out the back. I will be demonstrating SDR Uno in the store, and I also hope to be showing uh, SDR Connect again if I, if I can get a, an internet connection going. So um, it'd be great to see anybody that's in the Milwaukee vicinity or, or is planning on traveling that way. Uh, at Superfest. All right. Well, very good. Hey, guys, thanks so much for coming on here with us tonight. We uh, enjoyed it. I learned a lot. And uh, uh, I'm going to start playing with uh, an RSP1A here and see what all I can well, do. Well, we really it. appreciate, you know, being invited yeah. <clears throat> along. It's uh, it's a great show, and we're, we're really we should do it more often I well and we we can do that and of course the show is recorded people are you know most of our people that watch this they'll be watching it tomorrow and days forward you know it's always out there as one of the shows we have about 700 shows i guess recorded but uh, a lot of people will will uh, tune in to our podcast and our our shortwave transmission and also uh and we'll put a link yeah. to it from our webinars page be, as well so that would be great yeah, that'd be great so uh, I'm going to move on to a couple updates and some things we're doing. You know, we're flying a Pico balloon around the world right now. I want to give everybody an update on, on what's going on there, where it is. It's over Russia right now. So, hey, hey, uh, John and Steve, thank you very much. And okay. uh, you guys are welcome to stick around with us. John, I know you it's the middle of the night there. You stick around a few minutes if you want to or go to bed, whatever you want to do. I think I might just go get some sleep. Okay. <laughs> it's been a really great time. Thanks for uh, having us, Tom. I'll, thank I'll, you I'll very much. And listen, see what's going on. Okay. Well, very good, Steve. Okay. And uh, we'll Appreciate say good night to you, uh, uh, John. Thank you again. Yeah. Bye, everyone, and thanks very much for listening. All right. So, hey, guys, uh, let's take just a quick, quick break here. We'll be right back, and, uh, uh, and then I'll give you an update on what's going on with some other things. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high-powered base stations cut through the pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Contest from the comfort of your home or remotely with the RS-BA1 app. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. It is truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. It has dual receivers digital IF filters, 
high-resolution spectrum waterfall. The IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. Features include RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you very busy. It has fast processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. Included are real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. The IC7300 is the high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design, and it will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, producing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. Features include RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope. For more information on ICOM radios, visit www.icomamerica.com amateur. Alright, and we're back. And, uh, okay, I want to give you guys an update on what's going on. You know, we've been flying, uh, one of the uh, challenges of uh, <clears throat> the show is about the last three years, we've been keeping a Pico balloon in the air just about every month, uh, flying around the Earth. And, uh, you know, we finally broke that 44,000 foot glass ceiling with a, a new balloon that we were able to uh, uh, to use. And, and uh uh, we were flying at about 51, 52,000 for about 60 days. And, uh, of course, that's above the jet stream, and we had almost no wind up there. So we almost didn't go anywhere for 60 days. Uh, our best flight around the world has been nine days. And uh, this flight, it took 80 days to go around the world, this flight, because we were flying so high there was no wind up there. I want to show you where we are right now. Tracking is not great, but... Uh, let me show you where we are. See if I can get this on here. So here's our position right here. We just came in from the north. We we uh, circled over. Excuse me. We circled over uh, Greenland there, and we're coming into Russia there. And we will be uh, uh, just before we get to Moscow there. We're going to be hanging a left there and heading east. So we'll be going across. Look like uh, uh, the biggest part of Russia there. Uh, so we're still flying good. We've lost a little bit of altitude. We're down around 47,000 feet. Don't know if that's because we've lost some uh, hydrogen over the last few day, a uh, few weeks or months. Or it could be atmospheric pressure causing us to be flying lower. Just don't know right now. If we look at APRS, uh, it's the same thing here. We look at APRS and... Uh, APRS is showing here uh, like 47,734 feet. And uh, I think last I uh, checked, we were, we were doing about 27 miles per hour uh, with with uh, the balloon here. Let's see if I can go back and let, <coughs> show you the, uh, I'm going to show you the path this thing took. It's uh, one of the reasons, one of the reasons we have not gone around the world and it took 80 days. You can, you can see what happened here. Uh, we launched here in the U.S., 
It went all the way past uh, Japan, and uh, let's see. I need to, I need to get this uh, where you can see it a little better. Yeah, that'll probably work right there. So you can see right here, we uh, we uh, we went all the way to Japan, and then instead of finishing out the trip across the ocean, there we made a, a turn to the south. And we actually came below India and across the middle of Africa and back to the U.S. So uh, and then on our second attempt to go around, we went way up into the Arctic. And uh, uh, we came down uh, into Russia there. So that's kind of where we are uh, with our flight uh, 112. And you can, you can follow that on our website if you just go to w5kub.com. And uh, check on check the uh, balloon up in the menu, and it will show you uh, where we are there. Let me just make a quick announcement out there to everybody uh, that may be listening out there. If you're listening on International Shortwave, this show has been about ham radio or amateur radio, and it is live on uh, YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday nights. We have our own chat room where you can join us. Uh, if you're out there listening right now on shortwave, it's Thursday. You're listening, and it's somewhere between 5 and 7 p.m. Thursday. You're listening to uh, the show. Uh, you can't join us just by joining us on uh, uh, Tuesday. You can uh, come live and watch the show if you want to. Shoot us an email and let us know where you are uh, in the world. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, uh, send us a signal report on how you're hearing uh, shortwave station. We're not a high-power station. We're only about Probably about 50,000 watts, and we're up uh, transmitting out of uh, Monticello, uh, Maine, right up on the uh, border of uh, Maine and Canada. So uh, please shoot us an, an email there. If you haven't done so, please subscribe. We really need you to hit that subscribe button right there is the subscribe button. It, it helps us to uh, get the word out on, uh, on uh, YouTube about uh, our show, our weekly show. We'd love to have you there. Join our Facebook group. 13,000 strong of ham radio and shortwave listeners in our Facebook group. And this, you can, you can join that group just by typing in W5KUB or you can type in amateur radio roundtable. Uh, any of those will take you to, to our Facebook group and we'll, uh, we'll uh, let you join, uh, immediately there. So, uh, that's the announcements I wanted to make. Uh, we typically, at this point, we typically go to what we call the, sh- the after the show show. Let's see, we're going to do the after the show show. And there we are right there. You know, somebody complained one time our show was too long. You know, two hours is too long. Well, it might be long. So what we're doing now is, hey, our sh- hey, Amateur Radio Roundtable, it's already ended. But now we're going into after the show show. And here's where the fun starts. I'm going to post a link in the chat room. And uh, if anybody wants to join us on uh, Zoom, they can be on the show. So let me uh, let me throw that link out real quick here. Let's see if we can get anybody in here the last 20 minutes that we're, uh, uh, that we have, uh, available here. And here's the link. Let me get it. Uh, I need to hire about five more people staff to help with the show here. Let's see. Copy the link. All right. And here we go. Here's the link. Just click on this link and you guys will be able to uh, come right into the show. We'll approve you, and you'll be on the show, and people around the world will be seeing you. So comb your hair and all that kind of stuff. And 
All right, so there's Link. Let's see if anybody comes in here in a minute and joins us. So let me go back to, we'll just go back to that background right there. All right, well, Glenn, you've been awful quiet tonight, Glenn. What what do you think, Glenn? Oh, I thought it was cool. I was just watching it all and taking it in. <clears throat> I learned a lot tonight. It was very interesting, yeah. very interesting. Boy, I've got, you ought to see all the things, are, questions I wrote down here, man. I mean, probably, <laughs> probably. Probably can't see them, but look at all. I had, yeah. I had a number of things, questions and comments written down about it. So uh, we had fun with that. I need to get the uh, I need to get the uh, RSP one out of the drawer there and dust it off. Let's see, we've got two people fixing to join us. I don't know who they are. Let's see, they're going to be Earl Griffin and. I guess Massachusetts Bill. I guess that's who that is right there. Let's see if we can get him in here. All right. Did I get everybody? All right. Yeah, there's Earl. Come on. Come on in here. Go. Come on in here. Why don't they? Yeah, Earl's all muted. Why don't they go away? There we go. All right. Well, let's see if we can get somebody in here that can get some excitement going here. Oh. Well, I tell you. We already have a lot of time, right, to 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 talk to your boss. Was that somebody else? I heard a ding dong. I didn't see uh, that. May have been Bill coming in, There's unless Bill. you got to. <clears throat> well, I don't see him. Yeah, he's on. Is he on there? Let he's connecting. Let me see. Earl's uh, here trying to figure out which mic to use. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. Now wait a minute. You're yeah. muted, but I'm hearing audio. How are you doing that, Earl? Shouldn't be unless it's uh, defaulted to the webcam mic. Well, let's see. Okay, yeah. now you're now you're showing as unmuted, but on Zoom you are actually showing muted. But I could hear you laugh. Hmm. How about that? Well, that's because we have a secret workaround button on this new software we've got here. <laughs> we can click on it and we hear what you say. And what what's as this? As long across, as you can't what, hear what I'm thinking, I'm okay. Why the why's Glenn's got a box across? Uh, 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 Earl's face here. Let me see if I can move it. And move that over. There we go. That's better. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, let's see. Well, D- WBAELK says, looks like today's show is going to cost him $120. Now he's got to yeah. order the SDR play. Yeah, I'm up. thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got one here, and uh, we're going we're gonna to do something with it. Uh, you know what's really cool, Tom? You know, because I I've probably been with been on for five years now. I guess I used to go to school in England with with John Hudson. Uh-huh. and uh, that's that's how he got me involved in this. I, I noticed a little bit of accent there. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm still very much a Brit. So yeah. Um, originally, way back when, I was I was an SWL guy, right? So yep. I used to listen to the BBC and all that good stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, and so when uh, I got my RSP1A, I, I started listening to shortwave. But what happened was, as I started hanging out in the user groups, I was seeing what all these people were doing at things I didn't know exist. Because back then, I didn't know there were digital modes and all that kind of stuff. And then there was a guy right up the street from me. He started pointing antennas up at the GOES and the NOAA satellites. And, and yeah. he's bringing down these fantastic weather map images from space oh yeah whole earth images and stuff 
And he's not using the latest and greatest hardware. He's just got an old RSP2, you know, that was our second model that came uh -huh. out. And what people are doing with these things is unbelievable. And, and the nice thing is, for a very low cost of entry, yeah, it's, it's a great little shortwave receiver, right? And you can do the HF bands. But it's when you start exploring all the other aspects of it, it gets really fascinating. And um, it's, you know, it's so inexpensive, too. That's well, I was going to say, it, it does, I, I won't say it does too much. It, it does so much that somebody can find something they would like to do with it, man. Like you say, yeah. listen to oh, satellite yeah. or ham or who knows what they want to do with it, you know. Yeah, I think that's the joy of, of going into some of these user groups. Uh, I think the, the Facebook group, which is independent from SDR Play, by the way, we, we do monitor it and try and answer any questions, but people can get on there and they can badmouth us if they want. It doesn't matter. It's, it's you know, we don't, we don't run the group. We're not the admins or anything. But when you see what other people are doing, it's kind of inspiring because uh, you, you can kind of get tied into a rut and just look at the same frequencies over and over. And, <laughs> and then when you see what other people are doing, it's, it's very inspiring just to go off and do something with it. All right. So tell me here what I've got. I've got, I've got, and this is a, an RSP2. Yeah. Did this come after? This came after the one, I suppose, right? I came after the one. What you have there is... is Good old-fashioned RSP2, and um, the 1A came out after that, and that was one of those that had much better pre-select filters. Um, you're, where, whereabouts are you, Bill? you down south somewhere? Yeah, I'm in near Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. So I don't know how much you've got in terms of uh, local AM broadcasters down there. Oh, well, we've so, got a lot. Yeah, that's quite yeah, a few. probably got yeah. a lot. You know, when I was in yeah. Dallas, the, the RS2, RSP2 tended to get swamped a little bit when there were a lot of um, uh, local AM broadcast stations, uh -huh. and that would generate mixing products that we kind of talked about earlier that uh -huh. would go up into HF, which was pretty inconvenient. And so the 1A, when it came out, had much better pre-select filters. We were we were learning as we as we went along. And, so I, uh, I guess this one is kind of obsolete now, right? You're not, you guys aren't marketing this one. We're not making it anymore, but uh, SDR Uno will still uh -huh. uh, work with it, and when SDR Connect comes out, it will also still work with it. Okay, cool. And cool. Uh, a little known fact is the RSP2 was actually our lowest noise uh, RSP to date, and. You know, anytime you design a receiver, it's a matter of trade-offs, right? And um, the uh, they went a bit overboard on getting the noise low. And of course, when you get to it's upside down, <laughs> do I have it upside? I can't even. I can't see it now. I read so far. Here we go. I'm um, read so far. Yeah, and so um, it, it's got super low noise. And, and John mentioned those guys that like to go up in the Arctic, and where it's quiet, that's a real good plus. Uh -huh. But usually on, on HF, you've got local noise and atmospheric noise and everything that, that makes it pretty much a bit of overkill. But uh, you'll, you'll love the, using that. It's it's a great little receiver. All right. Just be careful with that little adapter you've got that goes from uh, yeah. SO239 to SMA. Right. Uh, the, the the pigtails are actually better because that... Put, that yeah, it takes the strain off. On the case. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't said that. I mean, I've got one just like that myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know, people get these uh, little cheap handy talkies, and they put a connector like that in there and a big antenna, and the first thing that happens, it, it yeah. breaks the connector off, you know. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. Now, having said that, even though you've got the plastic case units, um, <clears throat> I, I've got RSP ones and one A's. I take around. They've been around the globe with me, and they've been dropped on the floor, and uh, and I, I haven't even cracked one yet. So that's uh, good. But the metal case ones are nice. I don't know. If people are looking at me, so maybe I can do a little show and tell as well. Uh, why are we not? Uh, here we go. If anyone can see that or not, probably not. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now we can. Yeah. Okay, that's that's the RSPDX. Raise it up. Yeah, that's a, that's the one that costs. Uh, I think it's two twenty four ninety five at HRO now. Uh, could be. I'm sorry, but what we did was we we got rid of that green connector that was on Tom's RSP two, yep. and we put a BNC on here instead. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. The yeah, you you can see the. You've got a little bit of tape over, so you can see the green one over my shoulder there. Um, those were great because that was essentially a balanced connection. So if you connected a dipole straight to it, it was really good. But the, the downside to that thinking is if you had to bring that in from outside, you picked up all sorts of local electrical noise. So a better way to do it would be to put a ballon outside and go from the balanced dipole and then put a coax feed line to come in. And and for that the uh, the BNC would be a much better connector. Mm, mm. So we're we're, we're learning. <laughs> Are folks using a lot of preamps with those uh, for that balance to through that balance connection? Uh, normally, no, not a preamp unless you've got a lot of uh, of cable run from the antenna into the unit. In which case, you'd put it up on the masthead. Uh, I know some people are doing it at the higher frequencies. Um, and, of course, if you're using a magnetic loop, you would want to preamp out in the loop itself. But the, the, the thing about preamps is, you know, they, they amplify the noise as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the end of the day, if you, if you just stick too much gain in, yeah, sure, you've got a stronger signal, but your noise floor went up as well. So your signal to noise is no different, so you're no better off. So, you know, people think, oh, I'm going to stick a preamp on here. Well, you really don't need it, except maybe if you're operating up at the higher frequencies. I know the people that build the little helical kind of uh, things for pointing at antennas, um, uh, antennas for satellites, I mean. Yeah. They'll often have a preamp in front. All right. So, hey, uh, I hadn't mentioned this. My son, uh, Chris, AC5CM, sent me a note. Last night, uh, there was a 6.0 earthquake. Overnight in the South Sandwich Islands. Really? Everybody know where the South Sandwich Islands are? No, but I got They're southeast. The Car- <laughs> yeah, the Caribbean. They're southeast of uh, southeast of Argentina, down toward uh, Antarctica. Yeah, yeah it's probably just north of the Ham and Cheese Islands. Yeah, let's see. I'll uh, I'll, I'll bring them up. I'll bring them up on a map here. Let's see. They can't uh, be far from the Falklands then. Let's see. Uh, yeah, let me, it's close to the Falklands. I was going to say, you know, send, send your balloon over there. Check it out. Yeah, well, I can't get it down. I can't make it go below the equator. That's the only problem. Here we go. Here's the island. Here's uh, here's here's the Sandwich Island right here. Uh, let's see. Well, it is way down there. And, uh, let's see. Doesn't look like a whole lot there. Got some penguin. Let me see if I got a better map. I think I should have a better map. 
Well, we're not battery. We're, it's um, <clears throat> it's solar power only. Okay. Uh, because batteries batteries won't work up, up there. A, re- a rechargeable battery will not work up there. Uh, it will not charge and it will not discharge. A primary cell would work, but they're too heavy. Yeah. Uh, you know, most people have on our show have seen this, but this is the tracker we build right here. It weighs about 1.7 grams. Mm. 1.7 grams. That's less than a penny weight. And yeah. that has the uh, GPS, the CPU, the transmitter. Everything's right there. And uh, uh, once we put the solar cells on here and a 20, a full 20-meter dipole antenna, 34 feet of antenna on here, total weight is 7.8 grams. The uh, wow. The antenna wire is uh, number 36, which is just a little bit larger than a hair on your head. And uh, so, you know, we're flying at about 30, well, we're flying at about a little little under 8 grams uh, with this. Uh, We're using hydrogen. Uh, You can use, of course, uh, helium, but uh, we like the the hydrogen. Uh, It gets us a little bit higher. Yeah. and we've been doing it for the show now for about, you know, three years, maybe a little longer. Been trying to keep one in the air. Uh, it takes a lot of luck to get around, and uh, a lot of luck, and you gotta you gotta miss the weather, and that's why we're trying to fly as high. There's there's a picture of our there's a picture of the tracker right here we're building, and there's another shot of it right here on the back side. Uh, I was building it under a microscope. Uh, the parts are so small. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're constantly changing that and changing, uh, taking parts off of it, and less and less and less parts, and uh, still getting it to work. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's interesting. I, you know, way back in the past, I, I worked <clears throat> for Texas Instruments for some time, and all the components were through hole then, and I could actually, you know, solder boards together. And then when they went to all this surface mount stuff, it's like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Yeah. Oh, we had a little episode of that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Tom recorded my first real attempt at doing that. Well. It's amazing what they can do now. Mm-hmm. Oh. They being the correct word. Tom had some parts on the counter at Huntsville, and people were just amazed at how small they were. They didn't think they yeah. were that small until they saw them. Yeah, yeah parts they're are, teeny tiny. Parts are looking like a flea. I was, I was disappointed I didn't get to Huntsville this year. What was the attendance like? Well, they said it was 5,000. They said it was 5,000 oh, really? people. It's normally 3,000. Uh, we win again this year. I won, uh, I won the, I won the uh, IC9700 on Sunday. Oh, nice. It's still in a box over. Glenn, I haven't opened it yet. It's been two weeks, man. It's just sitting over well, there. Well, mine's have, not here yet. It hasn't even been shipped yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this one hadn't even been opened yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Steve, we, uh, Kathy and I both came back with COVID. So so we were sick the entire week. I was sick for the week after I came back, and she just got over it. She, she had it for two weeks. Yeah, I haven't seen her for a long time. I miss her for being an HRO. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Uh oh. Oh my God! Speaking of COVID, incoming. Yeah. Everybody, yeah. put Here. a mask on. That's it. Cover your speakers, everybody. Yeah, he's got COVID. 
<laughs> Who does? Bill, does Bill have it? Bill, Bill does. Bill, Bill, when did you get it? Bill? If I can stop uh, coughing long enough, yeah. I'll, I'll join you off for a little bit. When Did you get it right after Huntsville? Um, uh, ten days after Huntsville. Uh, I was in uh, uh, Florida, long, long world, dude ride the star wars and that's probably where i got it yeah we went down to see the rocket launch but yeah. obviously not launch uh, i have a question for uh, steve um can you describe the difference between your uh, two uh higher up uh, versions uh and um you know i see there's three antenna ports on the um and that has dr on it and then the uh, then your duo that has two separate receivers but the, does that, um, that's the difference the, really. What, what you're talking about is the difference between the, the DX and the, uh, and the Duo. Right, right. And um, the, if, if you do go to our website, there's a little table that shows you the differences. But, but basically, the, the DX is a single tuner radio. And it's like having a, a radio with a three-way antenna switch in front of it. So you have antenna inputs A, B, and C. Hero, a girl with a dream, a bloodthirsty plant, a <laughs> So you've got uh, a single tuner with, with a, like an antenna switch built in. Uh, the Duo, on the other hand, can it also has three antenna inputs. Um, it still has the old uh, green uh, connector for one of them, uh, the so-called Hi-Z, which has got like a, a 1K input. And that was for connecting directly to dipoles and stuff like that. And, and it can be used in much the same way as the DX in, in that, you know, you can use it to look at up to 10 megahertz of spectrum. But the Duo can also be reconfigured to be two independent tuners. And, and the key thing about when you have two independent tuners is you are um, send, sending the same data stream over the same USB connection so those... The data stream from the two tuners is going to remain coherent. And um, being coherent, that allows you to do the diversity tuning. And you just can't do that with any other model in the lineup. So the two tuners let you do diversity tuning. And, and as John explained, you can use that MRC technique automatically to optimize uh, for the strongest signal. Or you can override it and go manually, and you can use it to kind of null out any interfering stations. <laughs> So that, that's the, the key thing about the Duo. The other party trick that we like to demonstrate is we'll use one tuner set to uh, the um, air traffic control band, and we'll use the other one to tune into ADSP up at 1.08 gigahertz. So you can listen to air traffic controllers, and at the same time you can see the, the aircraft you're listening to being plotted. You can see them moving around on the map. And you can see uh, their, their call signs and everything else, which is pretty cool. Or, you know, you can monitor like 20 meters and 2 meters at the same time if you want to do that. So that's the strength of the Duo. And that's why it's the so-called top of the line, because it's got that dual tuner capability. But as a sort of consolation prize, if you will, on the DX, which although it's only got one tuner, I'm interested in seeing some of these pictures. This is common, you know. I've given I've given talks at many places, and people often doze off when I'm speaking. 
Did, so, did, did um, pass the, the DX has got this uh, HD armor, high dynamic range mode, below 2 megahertz. And, uh, yeah, Glenn's been up since 5 a.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, on the uh, DX, um, I don't know how many people listening here, but if the Brits involved, we know that Radio 4 transmits on uh, 198 kilohertz medium wave. And uh, I tried many times over the years to see if I could pick it up in Texas, and I never could until I got the DX. And I was able to actually copy Radio 4 Longwave from the UK uh, for the first time. It was it was weak, uh, it faded, but uh, to me that was a pretty good uh, testimonial to how well the uh, HDR mode works in the DX. So hopefully that explains the difference between the two. All right, hey guys, we got we've got one minute left. Let me say uh, goodbye to everybody listening out there on shortwave. This is Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about ham radio. Join us uh, again on shortwave next Thursday, five to seven p.m. on seventy four ninety, or join us live on Tuesday nights at nine p.m. on w five kub dot com. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate All right, so, so I think... Uh, Steve, I just wanted to mention uh, now instead of $109, I think it cost me uh, $299. Yes, actually, I think it's $279 at HRA. $279, so I think I'm going to have to go for the duo. Yeah, I was looking at the same thing, and I was about to ask the same question. Yeah, we, we regard the uh, the RSP1A as, as a, an entry-level drug, and once people experience that, they just keep buying more and more. No, I'm just going to go straight to the heroin and get the... the yeah, there you go. That'll work. Yeah, just, just mainline it. I, I think that's what I'm going to do, too. Yeah, so I, I love the idea of having two, two receivers, the, the simultaneous.